Hey everybody, and welcome back to Monster Baby, a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. We are about to romp, and you are about to romp with us. Yes, episode number six. Dun, 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 dun. This one, uh, we're exploring the power of positivity. Yes. Based on a workshop we did uh, and ongoing inquiry that we're both thirsty for and hungry for and we just, and love, talk- in, yeah, just yeah. love talking about this stuff. So it, we go through the power of positivity and improv scene starts, what it gives us, why do it, but also what the equivalent is kind of coming from the mindfulness world and how those two things can help us in the moment in life mm-hmm. with, with moments that arise for us. And uh, keep an eye out for neutrality. Neutrality is going to make it an interesting... Uh, is going to show up in an interesting way in this conversation. That's right. Might surprise you. That's right. Perhaps. Surprised us. (laughs) So we hope you like it. Yeah, and uh, thanks for being here. Enjoy. Listen on. Lisa. Ted. I have an idea. Give it a minute. Let's do a podcast on the power of positivity. God, I love that idea. Isn't that really an interesting notion? I'm into it. I'm at least neutral about the idea. (laughs) I'm at least grounded and I think it might be a good idea, but let's play it out. I feel non-negatively about that idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's just nothing wrong. Great. We're here at the table. It's a, you know, relatively bright day outside. It's bright, cloudy, and bright. It's not the best day ever. It's cloudy and bright because we're in Daly City and that's how things are in Daly City. It's totally normal. Yeah. So... So we're talking about positivity, and mm. we will, and we'll go into this what this whole thing is about being non-negative and normal and things like that in terms of the the context of positivity and improvisation and the choices that are available to us to do that. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about why we wanted to talk about this topic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and and we'll we'll also pull it around to positivity and mindfulness and yeah that sort of thing too. And life in general. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, so we were recently in Western Massachusetts visiting the lovely and talented Pam Victor. The badass Pam Victor. I'm sure she would appreciate our adding that. It's the truth. Yeah. Truth. And we did a workshop with uh, some of her improviser folks she's got there in her community, the Happier Valley comedy community. And, fanta- uh, it was fantastic. It was so fun. Super fun. And we did this workshop called The Power of Positivity. Yeah. And we were talking about uh, why do you, why and how do you start scenes in improv where things are fine Yeah. at the beginning. So I want to ask you, Lisa Rowland, yeah. experienced improviser, Yeah. why is it important? Why does it matter to start a scene or to start something, a performance? Right. Without any problems. Without any problems. So I do want to mention. I, I want to. I want to mention that I feel like it's important to to note that the reason why this is even a topic is because I have noticed in my years of teaching improvisation and playing with different people that there is a pretty strong instinct that mm. humans have, that people have when when doing improv, to make negative choices at the beginning of scenes. Hmm. And I only mention this because the context of why this needs to be taught, why this is a topic that needs to be worked on, is because I think there's a really strong default to finding a problem at the very beginning of a scene. Okay. And I, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just put it in here. I think that's true in life in general. Uh, Yeah, great. We we start defended. We start with this negative lens so often. Suspicion or complaining or noticing noticing what's wrong. Yeah. 
And there may be evolutionary yeah. reasons for it. Then we notice what's wrong. There, absolutely. I think that that serves us in a lot of in a lot of places. Yeah. And so, because we are so well practiced at that, it shows up at the beginning of, of improv scenes. And I think the beginning of improv scenes is a place where it is particularly unhelpful to start with problems a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a well, ugh, I get caught in this. My belief that there are no rules in improv and anything can work. And in my experience, there's a there's a lot of freedom that comes from starting a scene positively. So I, I make it a point to try to do that. Well, <laughs> I'll interject here. This is tapping straight back into what we just talked about last episode. Uh-huh. Like, hey, anything can go. And I'm going to have an intention. I want to choose to start my scene this way. Yeah, right. Right. right so I'm aspiring to start my scenes this way. Yeah, but I have a, I have a focus. Okay. So... There's a, yeah, there's a couple of reasons why it is, I have found it is powerful to start scenes without conflict. The first one is from a storytelling perspective, if we're, if we want to tell a story, whether that's a long form story over 45 to 90 minutes or a short form story in a, in a three minute scene, we want to have a little narrative arc in that scene. We need to start out with what in the improv parlance is called a platform. Like what is, what's the, what's the, set up what's the setup or or what's the normal what's the mm. if we're create you know if we imagine these little scenes are little worlds that we're creating to exist in for just a moment what is the normal in that world mm-hmm. how, who are the people who are there how are things when everything's fine how like, are they related how are they related yep. just the information and if we can if, if we can practice getting the information out there without attaching problems to it then we have more places that we can go with that information it's like the negativity constricts the realm of possibility and Come, magnetizes the whole thing to addressing that particular concern yeah, right off the bat. Because a lot of times that negativity comes in the form of a little conflict between characters, you know, lines like, didn't I tell you you're not supposed to smoke out here or you're late again or, you know, something like that. When will the bus get here? Oh, God, the bus is always late. And now we just have a complaint. We have complaints. Mm-hmm. And... No, there's two reasons why that's a that that seems problematic to me as a matter of if that, if that's the choice that's always being made. Number one, it it constricts us to kind of just dealing with that complaint, mm-hmm. or it runs the risk of constricting us to just dealing with that complaint, unless you're skillful about kind of uh, what what is that martial art that takes the aikido aikido yeah unless you kind of aikido your way out out of it, mm-hmm. use it, and then turn it into something else, but. But also, in the same way that we don't like hanging around people that are complaining all the time, it's a nicer experience for the audience to watch people who, who are having a fine time. Right. It's like nice. It's nice. to They like us more when we are happy. In the same way that in life, I will speak for myself, I like hanging around people who aren't complaining all the time. So true. Who aren't just like heavily burdened. It's, it's just nicer. It's nicer company. And so the same is true there. If we go back to that storytelling perspective, eventually something may happen to these characters and Mm -hmm. they may find a conflict. Something may go wrong. But if that happens a little bit further down the scene or the story, we care about them already. It's like we've spent some time with them and we've developed a relationship and so that change carries more weight as opposed to if it happened at the beginning, we have no context for whether we care or not about these people. It's almost like as an audience member, I have allied myself with that character or yeah. I've stepped into their shoes or I've overlapped my boundaries of identity. Like, I am them. I... Yeah, it's like you've bought it. You're like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. So cool. then something befalls them or they face a challenge. Now it's like, 
oh my gosh, yeah. I'm right with you. How are we going to get out of this? There, there's this weird little way where you feel like you've got a little skin in the game. Like you care, you yeah. just care. You're a little bit more invested in that person and their fate than you would have if you had no experience of them except for them complaining. You don't, you don't care if something bad happens to them. Yes. Because it's like, well, you know, you never liked them in the first place. Yeah, I... I experience this so hugely when I go see shows. Mm -hmm. If I see shows where people are complaining from the beginning, even when they're sharp and witty, it's like, well, it's funny, but I'm just like, mm, I don't really want to hang out with these characters for very long. Mm -hmm. And when they get along and they care about each other, it's like I get to the end of the night and I think, oh, I want to see those people again. Yeah, right. I want to live in their world again. Yeah. And there, there, so there was a great example this was great. There's a great example of a show that I was in recently. It was improvised musicals at Bats Improv. Ben Johnson would played a character, Malcolm. It was a film noir. So this his character was kind of a uh, he was a like a henchman. Like he was the big boss's employee who was who was kind of tasked with looking after the boss's wife. Okay. <laughs> right? Following her around, making sure she got where she needed, but also kind of protecting her and uh, and also making sure she wasn't doing anything the boss wouldn't want her to be doing right so kind of that that thing and but he was a very sweet character like he was hired by the big boss he wasn't very smart but it was clear that he kind of pined for the wife like he mm. kind of was in love with her and there was this mo and and was very endearing and there was this moment where he in the whole plot that unraveled where the wife was trying to you know the wife was killing the husband and employed this other guy to to do that and the and in that whole plot Malcolm got killed. He got shot. Mm. And the audience gasped. They, they, there was this like shriek that went up at their sadness of losing Malcolm. Yeah. And the only reason that happened is because we spent time getting to know him. Yes. And he wasn't a, a total downer of a character. Like there was this sweetness about him. He was... So he worked his way into their hearts and then they cared when he died. And that's just mm. a really nice example of what... If you, if you allow your audience members to invest in characters at the beginning in ways that make them likable and relatable, they will actually care about what happens to them later on. Mm -hmm. And I remember noticing that at the moment, this, uh, this sound that came from the audience that was like, oh my God, we made them care. We made them care. Because in that moment, they were mourning the loss of Malcolm. They were not just watching improvisers trying to come up with something good. Yeah. And then what a great place for you as a performer to be in. Like, they're right with us. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. So... So another way that starting positive affects the scene that I've witnessed and I've, I've experienced myself is, and, and Dave Dennison, who you work with at BATS and who I've taken classes with, uh, really emphasizes, is that when we start positive, more of our senses are available to us. Mm. We see more, we hear more, the world comes alive. We're more likely to name and endow things in our setting mm -hmm. because we're relaxed yeah. And this, the things appear. Yeah. And the world starts to make sense for all the players on stage and for the audience. And that when we're tense and narrow in on the conflict, we've sort of got defenses up. I always think of it as literal blinders. And so our vision is tunneled onto that problem and we're less imaginative. Ooh, okay. I got a, I got a metaphor. Ooh, we have uh, metaphors. The ocean, 
The ocean will seem really different to you if from the moment you are dropped into it, you're drowning and your only goal is survival, then it will be if you kind of wade in and you're paddling around and then you can enjoy, you notice so much more about the ocean, right? Mm. You can enjoy the feeling of the sand underneath your feet or the way that the water bobs you around. Yeah. You can notice how the sun is playing off the surface. Sound of the seagulls. Yeah, but if all you're trying to do is keep your head above water, right? then you're not going to notice any of those things. Yeah. So in the same way, I think that a conflict at the very top of a scene narrows you know yeah puts blinders on like you said yeah and all we're seeing is how do we get out of this conflict or do i need to defend myself against you and we're not seeing all of the things that that might be in this world sure so this is this is a nice analog to to mindfulness here is like we're looking at any given moment with an openness to what's there we're not necessarily we might allow ourselves to notice a a challenge or a, a pain or a suffering but we're not locked into that. And so we bring a kind of kindness and curiosity to this whole experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. And I love that notion of starting a scene with kindness and curiosity. Yeah. What's here? What's here? What's true about my partner? What am I, dis- I going to discover here? Yeah. What's, what are we going to discover together? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So this is an, another interesting parallel, I think, which is that I think that a really strong reason why people start negatively is fear. Yes. And I think that there is a fear. In improv, there's a fear that... There's a couple of fears. I think there's a fear that this will not be interesting unless there's a problem I have to deal with, right? You ask people what yep. what are the qualities of a story, and almost the first thing that they say is there's a conflict. As opposed to just a change, which I, I think of as the primary element of story. Right. Yeah, but a lot of people say conflict. There's a conflict. And there's a lot of verses, right? Man versus man, man versus self, man versus nature. But it's just like, it's the antagonism. Heads budding. Yeah. And I might add woman versus self, woman Thank versus you. nature, woman versus woman. Man versus woman. Woman versus man. Woman versus man nature. Wait. Woman versus non-binary defined <laughs> gender queer <laughs> entity. I mean, let, if we're going to open it up, let's open it up. LGBTQ entity. But, but so, so, so there's this idea that if everything's fine, nothing is happening. And this, ah, that's it. Yeah. People think if everything's fine, nothing is happening. And, and that's a problem. So something has got to be happening. I've got to have a problem to deal with or else people are going to lose interest. This, I have found, is entirely untrue. Correct. And, right, okay. So there's, so there's that. So I think that people choose, choose negative, cho- they make negative choices because, because of, of the fear of being taken out of their comfort zone. That if, if everything's fine and I'm saying yes to what's coming, I don't know what the next step right. is. And therefore, I can't guarantee that it's going to be good. But if I start with a problem, I know what that looks like. I've at least got a hook. I've got, I've got something hook. to stand on. I've got something to deal with. And so there's a little bit of trust and faith involved that if everything's fine, it'll still be interesting. And for me, the, the ingredient that makes that still interesting is that the character cares about their world. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have a problem with it, but they do have to care about it. Well, and this gets to you know, what we're talking about here is making a choice, right? Because I think one of the reasons this fear shows up is not just about like, oh, where's the story going to go? But it's like, I'm stepping onto a stage. I don't know. Like, I... The improviser, am scared that I'm not going to look good, that people aren't going to like me, that they won't think I'm a good improviser. Mm-hmm. And so this is why my blinders come up and my system locks down because I'm in that fear mode. Uh, I've got to protect myself. And in that fear mode with the blinders on, the only thing that shows up is the conflict. Yeah. And so it's a choice. It's the 
like we were talking about last podcast episode, uh, I'm not just going to go with the default of my blinders. I'm going to make a choice to widen my view, mm-hmm. take a breath, and do something positive. Yeah. And and there was a scene that again you, with your Improv Playhouse of San Francisco group that I loved. There was a show you did where all we knew was that it was set in a psych ward, and there was a trepidation from the audience of we're going to do a psych ward. Is this going to be politically correct? Are we going to be Are sensitive? Are we making fun of mentally, of mentally ill yeah, people? This could get really ugly really fast. Yeah, I was also hesitant. I was nervous about that going in. And yet it turned out to be one of the most poignant, beautiful, thrilling shows I've ever seen, partly because it started this way. Yeah. So Ben Johnson was on stage. He's a character who's sitting in a lounge reading a magazine. That was yeah. all we knew. And Tim Orr was about to come on. And Tim told us after the show, during the Q&A, the only thing he knew about what was going to happen was that his character liked Ben's character and that something good had just happened. Mm -hmm. And he came on stage and his character said to Ben's character, the meeting went well. The group went well. I got to lead the meeting for the first time. Yeah. And it was this joyful thing. Yeah, he was really excited. It was so fun. And right off the bat, we were all like, oh, we like these guys. We want to know more about these guys. And... It was just, here's every day is an okay thing. Yeah. It was all good. And then, you know, the rest of the show sort of unfolded from there. But right. By the all, way, you can see, uh, you, oh dear listener. listeners, can see that show. It's online. The, the entire show, it was, we did we shot that show with three cameras and edited it together. It's like a really nice edit. And it's available at improvplayhousesf.com. You can also see it on my website, lisarolland.com. The whole show or just the highlights? The entire show. Oh, great. The whole thing. I've only seen the highlights, but... Yeah, there's like a highlight, a six-minute highlight reel, but then you can see the entire hour and half, hour and a half Oh, people, go see this. Go watch this. Please watch this. And you'll see, you'll you'll both, (laughs) because it's an amazing show, but you'll see this moment of this, these positive choices that Tim and Ben are making. Yeah how that affects the whole thing. Yeah, it's so interesting. I remember once, again with Improv Playhouse, we did a three-act a three act play, same same format, The Naked Stage, and it was set in a bowling alley. And we finished the show, and all of us, knew, we knew it was a great show. I mean, it, it felt good afterwards, which always feels good. <laughs> always feels good when it mm-hmm. feels good right afterwards. And we realized, in retrospect, there was not a single conflict in that show. Mm-hmm. No character had any trouble with any other character. There was even a moment where one of the characters was kind of this bowling legend, this community bowling legend. There were He had broken records. His trophies were up in the case. And it, it was revealed that he had cheated when he won the record, mm-hmm. when, he, when he broke the record or won the trophy or whatever. And I remember the other players, and I think it was Tim, again, reacting to that choice did not get angry about it. Like, mm-hmm. Tim was like this young, admiring, bowling, you know, aspiring bowler and, and, and fan. And it became... And Rafe Chase was playing this this bowler. And when it was revealed that he had cheated, Tim said, Oh, that's okay, man. I understand. Like, do you know how many bowlers you've inspired? And that's the really great thing. Like, he made this choice to not have a problem with it. And I remember going, that's really attentive because I think the default of course the obvious choice is to be it's to feel betrayed yes and he didn't he didn't feel betrayed well it looks to me watching you in the audience watching your group and watching people at bats that you all have done this often enough uh, to make the positive your default mm-hmm. you know there isn't anything wrong in it and I think some of that comes out of you all do long form all the time and you, yeah. you've got to start with this this ground this 
steady, fertile, established ground on which to build the whole story. Yeah. So, so my question for you mm. is, wh- what is that? I guess you you refer you referred to this earlier the the idea that it's all about making a choice and you can choose what you see in a moment and you can make a positive choice. But is there more of of a corollary in the mindfulness world mm. to starting po- to positive starts? Like what is that? Right or non-negative of non-negative and how does that affect the unfolding of whatever scene i'm using air quotes that is going to happen yeah your practice or the moment or whatever well yes i think there is a part of it is choosing that curiosity and kindness for whatever you're experiencing Mm -hmm. so it's paying attention on purpose to the present moment with curiosity and kindness to things as they are Mm -hmm. Um, you could pay attention to the present moment with a judgmental eye oh things are wrong I'm noticing I'm itchy. <laughs> I don't know why I've said itchy twice today. I'm noticing that it's raining I'm, and I don't like it. I, you know, uh, But you can make the choice to say, oh, it's raining. How about that? Or even, it's raining and I don't like it. How about that? Mm-hmm. What is it that I don't like about it? Yeah. How, what is, how does it, does that change as I sit here and observe that I don't like it does that what's the nature of that dislike yeah and all of a sudden it just it becomes it loosens it up a little it loosens bit. it up and it's like it's normal like we're just we're just dealing with everyday everyday Great. experience right so yeah. that's one way I also think in terms of leading workshops on presence on uh, Joanna Macy calls it the work that reconnects that reconnects humans with each other in community and reconnects us to the natural world, hmm. um, and and she that's nice. It's yeah, it's well powerful stuff. I mean, she's probably my favorite. Is maybe the wrong word, but most influential teacher on the way I try to lead experiences. Um, but she talks about a spiral. The, the the activist's inner journey moves on a spiral, and there are four stages. And the first of those stages is opening to gratitude that we start by noticing what are we thankful for. Mm. Uh, And it could be something small. I'm thankful that I'm breathing. It could be something uh, environmental. I'm thankful that there's a roof over my head or I'm thankful for this plant that's in the corner Uh, or it could be something in my geographic area or these beautiful views with the Golden Gate Bridge I get to drive by every day. Yeah, Could be about our friends, whatever. That we take a moment to start with gratitude. And that in the same way that that opens up the improviser's mind, it opens up the activist's mind or the workshop participant's mind to say, oh, what an amazing gift it is to be alive. Mm-hmm. And if we're starting from that point of reverence and appreciation, we've got so many more options available to us. Yeah, you know, I that's interesting. I guess there there's something in here about how often humans are in fight or flight mode like the how our our that sort of autonomic nervous system or that that mm-hmm. system that makes us think something's wrong hasn't caught up with like traffic jams and things like that and so we we go into this fight or flight mode all the time mm-hmm. and i think coming into new groups of people for instance is one of those times yes where we're like we kind of tighten up and clench up and and get protective because once upon a time when we were cave people or lizards or whatever monkeys like it paid to be on guard to, to figure vigilant. out if we were safe or not. You have to be vigilant. Yep. And so that there's this little carryover of 
we arm ourselves to to and we stay vigilant in these new experiences which makes which puts us in this little moment of opposition and maybe gratitude noticing that all of the things that are just fine mm-hmm. allows us to relax mm-hmm. a little bit it's a powerful thing uh, so many religious traditions do that in their ceremonies mm-hmm. is start with gratitude and it's especially true in native traditions like mm-hmm. just look we're just gonna name all the things we're thankful for mm-hmm. you know grandfather son grandmother moon we appreciate you thank you for your what you offer us uh, spirits of the north thank you for being present uh, we just go through a whole litany yeah of things to appreciate and and in joanna's work that then leads you into an ability the second stage is owning our pain for the world so acknowledging what's happening with the planet, mm. what humans are doing to the planet, we humans are doing to the planet, hurts and is worthy of rage and grief and, and uh, despair or confusion. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's got a platform to rest on. Yeah. It's not just starting there and moving straight to despair and like gnashing of teeth. But that when we, because we've started with the gratitude, we have space for that owning that pain. Yeah. Now we've got the third stage, new eyes. We can see with new eyes. New possibilities have emerged. And then we go forth to do the next thing that we do mm. and see what happens. So That's it's great. a cycle through gratitude, honoring pain for the world, seeing with new eyes, going forth, gratitude. Um, and so I think it just sets us up in that same way for a story to unfold that's worth being a part of. Mm-hmm. It also just feels good, right? I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. there's scientific evidence to say if we offer gratitude, we are happier. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure of the specifics. Martin Seligman, who's a, at the University of Pennsylvania and does positive psychology, I think he's at UPenn. Um, you know, if you write down at the end of the day three things that you're grateful for that day over the course of two weeks, eight weeks, again, forgive the lack of specifics, yeah. a short period of time, it was not that long, that you get happiness benefits for six months. <laughs> Measurable happiness benefit just for noting three things at the end of the day that you're grateful for. Yeah. You think about that in terms of a scene. We're going to start with what are we thankful for? What's good? What's happening? It just like echoes throughout the whole night. Yeah. You know, or the whole scene. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Uh, but so I want to come back because I've got this, there's this thing that's sitting in my brain like, well, what about James Bond movies? Are, are ah, you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Starting the, start in the, in the middle of... Just like action Yeah, he's problem. being thrown from a train. Yeah. Yeah. And I just watched Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Same thing. <laughs> it's like this high suspense, urgency, oh my God, the hero's in trouble and... Yeah, I would argue, however... That that's normal for them? A, that that's normal. B, that's kind of the end of the last story. I mean, in Bond, that is his pl- that, that's his platform. I think I don't know, I don't know if it's platform. I think it's just sort of getting us hyped up like, ooh, here's something fun. Mm-hmm. It gets us in. And then after that happens, we kind of settle into into once upon a time and every day. Right. Which is a which is a reference to this to a tool called the story spine created by Ken Adams, who's an improviser in the East Bay, here in the Bay Area, who, the stories start with once upon a time, there was someone, and every day they did this. And that is a platform. That's the normal part of the world. So there's the two, the two parts of it. Once upon a time, 
And every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's our platform. Right. And we should mention that uh, I think Ken created that with Kat Coppett. Ah, uh, great. Who's in Albany at, at Mopco. Great. Improv. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just a storytelling technique to get us really excited, right? To kind of jolt us into it. But as far as Bond goes, they, he doesn't, they don't plunge us into the middle of the adventure that we're gonna that the movie's about. No, it's not the main story for he, sure. They plunge us into an adventure that is that was the last one. And then generally he comes back and is like, "Well, that was close." And then like goes on vacation on like a, you know, and like, "Oh, what's the one where he the it starts out on a Is it Casino Royale where he starts out on this like Turkish beach with like a beautiful woman in his arms and then he goes and takes shots with a scorpion on his hand do you know this oh, this sounds right but... god it's so great i love it it's the one where he um where he goes to that like oh there's a komodo dragon in it and he's got this i mean he looks just so good daniel craig and daniel his tux craig. and he's like approaches this gamble this casino on a barge that right. is like slowly <laughs> floating him to the entrance of this casino and he's lit by candles i mean it's just like so beautiful but but anyway, I, I, I digress. Ah, Daniel Craig, yes. <laughs> Speaking of positive. <laughs> I digress. But, but so then it starts again. So that's interesting, right? Because that story, he's not happy at the beginning of that story. He's not happy. Oh, it's the one where he's, where, it's Skyfall. Okay. It's Skyfall. He's not at that platform where he's like on the beach and he's like highly preoccupied and very broody and like gazes out at the gray ocean and you know, whatever. It's like he's not happy, but that's his once upon a time and every day. Yeah. Like that's his normal. Right. Every day is normal. So, so I think that it's important to note that not all scenes have to start because I think there is a, I might be getting off your topic. I forget what it was. I apologize <laughs> if that's true. Well, I have the question about Bond and we're, we've got the story spine hanging, which we, I think we want to finish. But. Okay. Well, so we'll talk more about that. But I think it's important to note that when we talk about starting positive, it doesn't mean starting with, God, life is great, and I love you, and I'm so happy, we're best friends, okay. and man, I'm so, this is great, everything's great, and I just won the lottery. Like, it's not that. It's not that Pollyanna obnoxious positivity. Okay, cool. That it, we're just not starting with a problem. Like, the start of a scene could be perfectly mundane. Right. It could be somebody checking the mail... And putting the keys on the counter and putting groceries away. The thing is, they're just not checking the mail and finding an eviction notice right. in it. Yes. They're checking the mail and finding the kind of bills that they get all the time, which they have plenty of money to pay. Like, there's all these little yep. traps where an improviser is dying to find a problem. And when they put the keys on the table, they don't scratch the table. They don't scratch the table. That's no, just they where they go. Everything is fine. It's non-negative. They don't step into the cat or the dog when they come in the door. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Okay, well, so there, <laughs> there's so much here to talk about. I know. So I think that the, the Bond movie starts and the Mission Impossible, I think it's just a little titillation, action, yeah. adventure, like, yeah. okay, it's a little swashbuckle. Yeah. And, and then we'll get to our story start, which is once upon a time, there was this special agent. Right. And every day, you know, yeah. he brooded. He brooded, brooded with a beautiful, beautiful Turkish on woman some in his beach arms. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so <laughs> and drank himself to sleep. <laughs> Once upon a time and every day. And then the next line in the story spine is... Uh, until until one, one day. day. And then that's the event that shifts the, the story into action. You could, might call it a tilt. Something happens to trigger something else. And then yeah. we say, 
The next line is, because of that... Something happens for which there are consequences, right? Yes. So the, the tilt happens on this platform that was once stable, and then it tilts, and then... And then so the characters on that platform need to scramble to figure yes. out what to do next. And so because of that, they did this. Next line of the story spine, because of that, they did this. Next line, because of that, they did this. And now here we're getting to the conclusion until finally, here's the climax. Yeah. There's a resolution, there's a change, there's a shift, a transformation. Yeah. And, and every since, day, ever since, since that, that day, day, and ever since that day, there's a new normal. X, Y, Z. Yeah. There's a new normal. So that's the story spine. And and in a three-minute scene or a 45-minute long-form story, we're trying to move through that. It's super helpful structure. Most myths kind of move through that. And it's not that you have to do it by rote. Not at all. Uh, in fact, it can get kind of clunky if you do. But to have that frame in your bones, like, okay, so let's just establish the platform. Yeah. Just like let's have a really strong platform, and by that mean we we mean we just want to know what the world is about, who's in it, how they know each other, oh. and it takes it actually takes effort to hold the trouble off, to hold that, to to be patient and and not invite the trouble in. Yeah, because trouble will find its own way in. Okay, so I want to play a game. Okay, you up for a game? Yes. This this is this is kind of like a, the positivity negativity spectrum. Oh. Great. Or negativity positivity spectrum. Fabulous. So let's pretend that we're starting a scene, mm -hmm. and I will give you a neutral offer. Okay. And then you're going to give me. We're going to start with a really negative response. Okay. And it's not. I, I'm going to ask you not to block it. So it's not you're denying the reality of what I present, but you're I'm just responding. Your character is responding negatively, really negatively. Great. So that'll be a one. Yeah. And then we'll go two is like mildly negative. Okay. Three is neutral, four is mildly positive, five is like super, super positive. Okay. And let's just see, and then we can trade off back Three is neutral. Three is neutral. Okay. All right. So, um, okay, here we go. Uh, Francine, it looks like we're going to have to go to the market today. Ugh, I hate the market. It's always so crowded and all the produce is always rotten already. Hmm. That was one. That was one. Uh, Francina, it looks like we're going to have to go to the market today. Oh, did you forget to go on your way home from work? Again? <laughs> that was two. <laughs> Francine, it looks like we're going to have to go to the market today. Okay. That was neutral, right? That was pretty, totally pretty neutral. neutral. Totes newt. Yeah. Uh, Francine, it looks like we're going to have to go to the market today. Oh, good. We just ran out of potatoes, so I'll get some more. Hmm. That's four. Great. Francine, it looks like we're going to have to go to the market today. Perfect. Hey, before we go to the market, do you want to go on a nice little walk? And then when we get to the market, we can... Oh, we'll bring our reusable bags. And we can uh, walk home along the coast afterwards. Mm, How does that sound? That's great. Great. Okay, so that's fun. <laughs> nice. Okay, so yeah, so you give me a... a okay. Neutral, let me play. All right. Uh... I brought another log in to put on the fire. I just cleaned up the fireplace. I got rid of all the wood filings. Ugh. Cool. One. I hate that everything is wrong. Ugh, right, it's great. so terrible that Le you did that. Level two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you could give me the cue again. Uh, I brought another log to put on the fire. 
Oh, it's kind of warm already. Great. <sighs> I brought another log to put on the fire. Okay, that sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable. All right, great. Number four. I brought another log to put on the fire. Thank you. That was very sweet of you. We'll use that. Sweet. And number five. Hey, I brought another log to put on the fire. Yeah, bonfire, baby! <laughs> yeah! It's going to be awesome! <laughs> great. So, there, okay. so there's the, the spectrum of negativity to positivity. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. That's fun to play with. I think it's interesting to note that when we're talking about scene starts, as you just said, yeah. it's not about like, I just won the lottery. Everything's so the best. It's like, let's go with three or four. Uh-huh. You know, can, can that first offer be a three or four, a yeah. neutral or a positive? And can the response be a three or a four? Yeah. That um, it just puts us in a, a nicer place. Yeah. Simple, yeah. like, hmm. Oh, good. The fire. Another log. Oh, good. The fire. Perfect. Yeah. I was just going to go get one. Thanks. Yeah. You, yeah. Just, Good thinking. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so here's a question then too, uh, and we and talked the positive side of neutral. We talked a little bit about this uh, in our workshop. What happens when someone is negative? Mm-hmm. Starts negative either by accident, or they've made a choice, yeah. or they're improvising in a different style. They're not operating by the same code of ethics. Yeah. Uh, somebody makes a negative choice. How do you transform that or normalize it? Or Well, I mean, I guess that's, maybe that's the answer. How do you work with it? I feel like I do my best not to get on the other side of that negativity. So... Ooh, it's not to set up an opposition. Not to set up an opposition. Okay. So in a way, it's like, don't take the bait. Hmm. And not to say that people are baiting me with a negative start, but if somebody comes in and is like, ah, it's raining again, I can be like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or, um, like it's not necessarily because, because even, so that's interesting, right? If somebody starts with a, with a complaint, ah, it's raining again. And I could, I could, oh, so many, so many ideas. So, so <laughs> one thing is to normalize it and make it, make it not new that mm-hmm. that there's a negative offer that these are the sorts of negative offers that you make all the time right so maybe it's it's uh old man gunderson who's always kind of grumbly oh i know you always notice the rain you know yeah i thought i thought of a normalizing that i don't think is is what i would shoot for which is like dude we're in seattle it rains all the time. Yeah. So like now I'm saying that that person or that character is a problem. Yeah, right. I've normalized what is negative. That you're they normalizing start... the rain, but you're not normalizing the negativity. I guess that's the difference. Yes. And and that that response, dude, it's Seattle. It's of course it's raining. Makes that makes your other your scene partner look, look stupid. That's right. Like so you kind of you've you've normalized it at their expense. Yeah. Which you never want to in my in my view, right. you never want to do that. It's like right. you're in this together, man. You're improvising. All you've got is each other. Yeah. That's all you've got. Treat each other well. Um, but but one thing that you could do is is just love them. Mm. <laughs> love that character. Just love them. Mm-hmm. This actually happened to me once. Is is I played a I played a show with an improviser from out of town, and their style was oh, far yeah, more witty and a little bit more cutting, a little bit more sarcastic. Kind of zippy. Quicker, yeah, zippy than than my style and mm-hmm. our style, which was which was much kind of slower and more attentive and, and really focusing on the platform. And because they were from out of town, we didn't get a chance to really dig in and warm up together and understand, you know, bridge that gap before mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. 
So the first show that we did, I was really hit in the face with that with that difference in style. Sure. And I had a real hard time because I fought it a little bit. I kind of tried to like convince this improviser to to play in the way that I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Like, but don't, but everything's fine, isn't it? And don't you care about this? I mean, you really do, don't you? And we will be positive. Yeah, everything's fine. We will be positive. Kind of like grabbing on, grabbing onto it and, and trying to force it to be okay. And that was not, it did not work. I didn't have a good yeah. time. The show did not benefit. And then the second night, I'd made a really conscious choice. I am going to love this character. And every time there was this little... The character or the improviser? Well, my character was going to love okay. that negativity. Okay. I was going to love it. Yep. And so, uh, character. I mean, I do love the improviser. Okay. Right? Like, as improvisers, I'm like all about it. I'm all about it. But, the, but I made a choice that, that, like, the, the, that, that all, of, all of their offers just cracked me up. Like, mm-hmm. I just loved it. So I just kind of allied myself with that, and I had a way better time. Like I just chose to love it. I just yeah. chose to love this person, and the way that that they came on stage was was another thing to love. Sarcasm, cool. negativity, you know, witty quippiness, yeah. all of that stuff alike. Do you think it affected their play? Your choice. I think it affected the show. I don't know that it affected their play. Okay. But certainly affected your experience. Oh my God, I had such a better time. Yeah, I had such a better time. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And the show was better because we weren't fighting about how we were going to play. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And I didn't give up. I didn't join him in the, in the negativity. Right? I didn't, I didn't give up my wanting to be okay. I just kind of met it with like, oh, yeah, you're great. Right. It was interesting. It was I, interesting. I love your notion that you just talked about. Is like you're not... Buying into an opposition, you're not going to set up a conflict between the two of you. Yeah, you could be uh, allied in conflict against the world, mm-hmm. and so things are fine. Right. Really, like you sort of softened the edge of the discomfort or the. Yeah, there, there's an interesting thing, right? I think that there's in terms of this, in terms of this, what do you do with an, a negative first offer? If your lens is wanting to be positive, I think there's a tempt, there's a temptation to argue with the negativity. Right. Oh, it's raining again. Oh, but it's pretty and we're in a drought, so that's good. And then we're kind of in a fight. That's right. <laughs> like we're, we're kind of on the opposite sides of, a, of an issue. Whereas if it's like, oh, it's raining again. Yeah, I know. It just started up. Hey, you want to mm-hmm. whatever, you know, kind of move on. So it's, there's this normalizing that, that makes it not a deal. Makes we can test out the new tarp. Finally. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That's fascinating. That's a really tricky skill. And I think of that in, you know, okay, so let's think about it in mindfulness too, right? You normalize the negativity. If you notice something that's wrong, something that's off kilter. And then don't. It's like, okay, there it is. You just, you name it. Uh-huh. And almost by naming it, it transforms it. And so, because things change. Yeah. That's the nature of reality that you get when you start noticing, paying attention to the moment. Okay, look, I'm feeling anxious. There it is. Ooh. And then just by naming it, it moves along. Yeah, I've got something. Okay. I feel like I keep cutting you off when you're like just getting going on something <laughs> uh, great. And I'm like, wait a minute, I, I have another thing. <laughs> 
Well, so let's make sure we come back to the clouds. Yes, clouds. Okay, so you tell me your thing and then we'll come back to clouds. So my thing, I think, is about, is about attaching to the negative feeling and feeling like you need to do something about it. Like it's truth or yeah. Like it's got to be dealt with. Yep. Another Dave Dennison piece of wisdom is uh, if there's something negative, oh, what did he say? It was kind of like if there's something negative, but you don't you don't deal with it, it just becomes part of the world rather than plot. Mm-hmm. So, so in the same way, it's like you notice yourself. Oh, I'm anxious, huh? Without being like, I'm anxious. What's wrong with me for being anxious? What can I do to relieve this anxiety? How do I? And then your scene has just narrowed. Mm-hmm. Like the scene Again, of that right. moment of your life has just narrowed to dealing with your anxiety. Whereas if there's this process of oh. I'm anxious. It's one of the things happening. It's one of the things happening. It's not the only thing happening. Yep. There are a lot of yep. good things happening that I can choose to notice alongside it. And it doesn't erase the anxiety, but it but it paints the fuller picture of what is happening right now. Doesn't erase it, doesn't elevate it. Yeah, it doesn't elevate it. And if I don't grab onto it and feel like it's a problem that I've got to fix, yep. then it just becomes part of the world rather than the focal point of the yes. world. I, and I think that's part of that observer stance in a mindfulness practice of like what is happening we take we take that meta awareness that just sees a larger picture yeah so okay so this cloud image me is was image is one of the most powerful ones i've ever had i don't think we've talked about it yet where you know it's like any thought or emotion is like a cloud that comes across a certain general stance of the world blue sky right things are fine yeah. content contentment um not radiantly fireworks but just Good. Yeah. A thought comes by and there's a cloud. And some meditation traditions talk about just watching the clouds move by. I experience it as if I don't acknowledge my moods, that cloud comes in, here's a mood. Maybe I'm excited. Maybe I'm anxious. Maybe I'm sad. Maybe I'm angry. Then it stays there in my sky. And if I haven't checked in with myself emotionally over two or three days, Mm. the clouds start to accumulate. And then Mm. things get grayer and darker and heavier. And my mood just feels like... oh. I don't have to do a whole lot except to name like, oh, look, I'm upset that my uh, that this thing I've been waiting for in the mail is taking too long, or uh, I'm noticing my sadness about my cat having died ten mm-hmm. years ago. Here <laughs> yeah. it is, it's back. And as soon as I name them, those clouds move along. Yeah. Same thing with the happy clouds, like, oh, I'm excited about this new friend that I'm going to meet yeah. next week. That was, and then we're back to the blue sky. Right. Like, life is fine. Life is fine. Um, but it's not elevating or enthroning those negative feelings. Or like, I have to deal with them. Enthroning. It's just noting them. I there like they that. are. Yeah. And then they move on on their own. Yeah. Because they're events. They're not facts. Yeah. So kind of a, hmm... It remi- actually reminds me of getting suggestions from a rowdy audience at an improv show. Because you're going to get true. ones you don't want. Oh, yeah. And there, it's especially true of in high school audiences when there's like a group of people who think that whatever it is, fill in the blank, is the funniest suggestion they ever could suggest. Okay. Wombat, cactus, you know, whatever. Proctologist, gynecologist. Right. And, and there is, you, every time you ask for a suggestion, this block of kids is going to shout whatever that thing is, mm-hmm. every time until you acknowledge that you heard them, you don't have to take it. 
but now, oh, I heard you say proctologist. Thank you. We are not going to do a scene about proctology. Uh, can I please have any suggestion for a location or whatever? You know, like good naturedly mm-hmm. name it, point it out, say, I, got, I heard you. I acknowledge that you're trying to get me to get me to take this. Mm. Uh, thank you. We've just done a scene about proctologists <laughs> or whatever. And then it's like, it, it takes this wind out. It takes this, the... Edge. Yeah, it takes that like the the desperation out of mm. out of their need to be heard. It's like I need you to hear me because I think I'm hilarious for making the suggestion. Right. And it's like I hear you. I'm gonna repeat it so the audience is gonna n- know that you've said this. It will all be acknowledged. Thank you, but no. And generally that calms them down, and they stop they stop yeah. yelling it. There's an Art Garfunkel song. Uh, everything it's either wants or waits. Everything wants to be noticed. Yeah. Just see me. See me. The same thing with these feelings. Yeah. Or with the negative. So if somebody starts a scene negative, okay, I see you. Yeah. And I think of that like, okay. I'm not going to fight with you. Could be true. A friend shows up and they're like, all of a sudden they're complaining. Like, all right. I see that. I hear you. Yeah. Maybe at some point we can choose a different lens, but normalize it and hmm. You mean if a friend shows up complaining in real life? Yeah. In real life. Yeah. I don't want to listen to a friend complain all the time. Right. And I don't want to set myself up in opposition if they're suffering or... Yeah. Right? I mean, if a friend comes over and is like, you know, it's like, right, if there's stuff to deal with, you don't want to pretend it's not happening. And, and it, it, you also don't want to run, move too far in the other direction of like, problems are bad and conflict is bad and everything needs to be fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this gets into one of the things that, that we wanted to talk about with this is... Okay, so we're choosing to be positive, or at least start positive. Mm-hmm. We should make that clarification. Um, and saying that there's a real power in that. Are we just glossing over the shadow side? Are we trying to seal off this vital force, a monster baby, if you will, you know, <laughs> that's, will. that's valuable? You know, that um, Jung, Carl Jung talked about if we close off the shadow, we try to entrap it. Or keep it from appearing, it's going to leak out in ways that are dangerous and destructive. Are we talking about life or are we talking about improv? I'm saying both, right? So if we're trying to, let's say that this notion about being positive in a scene, if I get dogmatic about it as an improv teacher or as an improv player, I'm trying to compress, keep my teammates into this mode of starting positive that maybe there's a, some negative impulse that's going to show up elsewhere. And maybe it doesn't show up in that scene or in that particular story, but it creates a tension between us as improvisers in our troupe or something. This is my question. I don't, I don't know huh. if this is true. But what, where are we putting that negative energy or that... Well, A, I would argue that starting negatively... Well, I posit. I, I submit for your consideration... That starting negatively is not like this vital dark shadow, dark side that needs a that needs a witness. It's a reactivity to fear, right? Mm, like it's okay, it's a habit. So we can develop the habit to be okay, or we can develop the habit to be in problems. Yeah. And we've developed a habit to be in conflict, but that doesn't mean that it's some vital thing that needs a voice. It means that we we've trained ourselves to notice the bad stuff right so we can just as easily train ourselves to notice the good stuff and i don't think that's oppression or suppression 
Okay. I don't think. Yeah, and and I think too that what we're talking about is yeah, it's not tyrannical positivity either. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're talking about trying to reset this default. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, if we've gotten the default reset to general positivity, then when the negativity shows up, it's like oh. Okay, this is what's here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it feels more authentic or true or something. Yeah, it also feels like that... Yeah, it, yes. There are some kinds of mindful improv. Uh, Dave Pasquisi and TJ Jagodowski in Chicago mm-hmm. and uh, Rachel Hamilton here in San Francisco and, yeah. and others um, talk about... And, and Pam Victor does this too... Uh, just take a moment, take each other in, yeah. you and your partner on stage. What's real? What comes up? What's what's true in that moment between you? Right. And that could very well be something's wrong. Yeah. And we're going to start from there. There's a, there's a, that style of improv draws on the authenticity of that. Mm-hmm. I still think what we've been talking about holds that can we reset that default of like, oh, seven out of 10 times that I'm, pausing and monitoring that authentic connection between the me and the other player seven out of ten times it's something's wrong like yeah. huh why is that is that all true or is that just what's practiced is that my fear somehow shaping my vision yeah um but i, I don't know I, I think there is a tension there it's habituated negativity mm-hmm. i think there is a tension there i think there is it's it's profound when we've taught improv and it's at the very simplest levels the positivity and this kind of gets into the saying yes it leads us on adventures it moves us forward some things happens and it creates delight and yes. I, I so often think of um, you know like a park bench scene just a simple element here's there's one person sitting on a park bench and another person comes in and they meet each other and they get to know each other and it's like somebody says would you like a soda and the first, the second person says, no thanks. Well, like, why not just say, yeah, thanks? Right? That, that little positivity, I'm going to choose to be pleased by what you just did. Mm-hmm. It's like it moves it forward. Now there's more of a connection between those two characters. And, oh, something right. unfolds. Whereas you could just as easily kind of look at them sideways and be creeped out that a stranger is offering you food. Mm-hmm. It's believable. Right. Could be authentic. Could be authentic. You've got a choice. There's a little delight that happens, and they're like, sure, you can do it. And I I find myself, when I'm coaching, I'm like, everything's fine. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. You know how to do that. Yep. Everything's good. Yeah, but a lot of it is we we find little ways to to have a little little problem in the Mm -hmm. very beginning. And I wonder if that's because authentically there's a problem, or it's like, you're a little bit afraid. You're you're a, a nervous human being. Who's you know walking out on a limb yeah. and you're protecting yourself by yeah. finding a problem? Yeah, and that you know what it's like. What if and I'll echo Pam Victor. What if everything's fine? Right. What if nothing's wrong? <laughs> what if nothing's wrong? What if what if you don't need to get anxious about this? What mm-hmm. if what if you just try not getting anxious about this? And and we can ask our characters the same thing. What mm-hmm. if everything's fine? Let's just let everything be fine for a while. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm hearing that in this conversation. We've actually been talking about the power of positive starts. Yeah. Yes. More so than positivity in general. 
Um, and so I think about like, okay, yeah, when I'm meeting a moment or when I'm starting a scene on stage, when I'm starting an, an effort in life, you know, what if I can take this stance of, what if nothing's wrong? What if I start by noticing what there is to be grateful for? Yeah. You know? I mean, and I think we can do that. We, you start every day. Mm-hmm. You know, every day is a start. Every time you show up in a new place, it's a start. Yeah. I think that's a, you're always starting something. Oh, interesting. Every moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, and again, it, I would never say, you know, to, to block out the negative in life. Or in improv, if there's really something that's pulling at you that you notice is there, you, uh, we don't want you to shut that out. But ask yourself, what am I practicing? Mm-hmm. Am I practicing noticing the good stuff or am I practicing noticing the bad stuff? Because that practice will turn into a habit and that turns into character. You know, I mean, that turns into like character on stage, but character <laughs> you're of a person. Okay, so here's a fascinating little lens. Right? And this brings, it, brings in a, a mindfulness skill. Um, one of the... One of the gifts of mindfulness is learning to identify the stories we tell about our experience. Mm. Because there's what's happening and there's a story we tell about it. Yeah, big time. Okay, so this can be true with what we call, traditionally call negative experiences. And then, so, okay, something ne- something unfortunate happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I get into a car accident. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I, there's all sorts of things that could be true about that. And I could tell stories or could make up a storyline like, uh, oh, I'm not a good driver. Um, oh, this is going to cost me a lot of money. Uh, my insurance rates are going to go up. My parents are going to get upset because I wrecked their car. Um, I won't have money to go on a vacation now. And it's just sort of just snowball into this the other guy's an asshole right he shouldn't have been i this is because of him and now everything's awful you know whatever yeah. it is yeah and so there's a choice about the stories like oh interesting look at that i'm going off on this tangent or it could be okay i got into a car accident interesting what's going to be true now here's an opportunity for me to react in a way that i'm going to be proud of mm you know, so I'm going to choose to be nice to this person. Here's an opportunity for me to react in a way that I'll be proud of. And, and that's a very different storyline to tell. It's a very different interpretation. Or maybe well, a... Well, it's almost a lack of interpretation. The, the suspension, yeah. There's a bit of it that's, oh, I got into an accident. Okay, so what comes next? Yeah. That's just, here we are. Without all of the like... Oh, you know, the gnashing of teeth. And it could, right, so great. I'm glad you said that because it's kind of like our spectrum too. There's a neutral like, oh, look, this happened. Then we could choose this, the four, the slightly positive one of like, oh, what opportunity is going to come out of this? Mm-hmm. Something, I'm going to, something wasn't available before that will now be available. Yeah. Maybe my back's out of place. And so I'm going to have to spend more time recovering. Well, maybe that will teach me how to be more in tune with my body. Right. Something like that, you yeah. know. Um, but let me give a, a simpler example too, which is, you know, you send a text message to a friend. It's a little vulnerable. Maybe you, or maybe you ask somebody out by text and they don't get back to you. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. So there's like, there's all sorts of stories you could tell like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have sent that. They'll never, oh, I'll never get with them now. Or, oh, I'm so forward or, 
or they got it and they don't feel the same way and so that's why they're not writing back. It's like we can fill in the justifications of why we haven't heard back in a million bad a million ways. ways. And, right, and we, we, we're like uh, Velcro to the negative, yeah. right? And Teflon to the positive. Yeah. So, okay. But it could just as easily be they don't have their phone with them. Their phone ran out of battery. They're really excited and they're trying to think of how to respond in a way that is going to make them look good or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, the storytelling about the factual experience yeah. is where we have a choice. Yeah. And the factual experience could be, again, I'm using air quotes here, negative. They haven't gotten back to me from the text I sent or right. I got into a car accident. Yeah. How do I react to that? Right. You know? and, and maybe in this context, I, I almost feel like any storytelling is not helpful about that. Then this gets really back to mindfulness of what you know is they haven't gotten back to you. What if it just stays there? Yeah. What if it just stays there? What if it doesn't mean anything? Yet. You can't, yet. You can't know what it means. So just right. don't bother. Right. Don't bother. Right. No, don't need to spin your wheels because... You don't need to, you don't need to put it in a, you don't need to put it in a story. Yeah. Yet. It's just a data, it's a data point and you're not sure what the next one is. You don't have a story. Yeah. So you can spin a good one or spin a bad one, but all of it is fiction. We are so quick to create these stories. It just oh, happens instantaneously. We don't even notice we're doing it, I think. Yeah. And that's, that's, that, it gets back to this idea of not attaching. Don't, mm-hmm. don't attach to that. Don't, don't grab onto the anxiety. Right. Oh, God, I woke up in a bad mood. That means that I'm going to be in a bad mood all day. It's like I should have gotten better sleep. And it's like, you know, and now I've just drawn this frame around everything that's happening when it's really just like, oh, rough morning. The are, we, end. are we talking about the power of neutrality? Maybe we are talking about the power of neutrality. <laughs> the power of openness, the power yeah. of a soft focus or like Well, a, non-negativity, right? Yeah, like it, beginner's mind of like, yeah. oh, what's going on? Yeah. Just notice it. Yeah, maybe like a 3.5. <laughs> on the on the spectrum on of our positivity. Spectrum positivity. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, just kind of generally say yeah, it's good. Yeah. I have I have a character that my friend Melissa and I made up. Who's just like this guy who just talks like this. You know, everything's fine. Like, whatever. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good day. Yeah. You know, yeah, not bad. I can see some animals outside. You know, they look like they're happy. Gathering nuts and things. Okay. <laughs> just whatever happens, I he's like telling. It. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really nice. I really like the way that cashier put my, uh, put my berries through the machine. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. It registered and I paid four ninety nine for him. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything is just kind of pre- pretty much okay. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Pretty like, okay and a little good. Yeah, yeah. I call him melancholy guy, but you know I don't know if it's melancholy. It's just okay. <laughs> I love it. He's fun. Well, I think with melancholy guy, we're gonna. I think this is melancholy guy signing off. We shall rise in the power of neutrality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the power of neutrality. <laughs> I love it. Oh boy. All right. Friends. Uh, that's, I think that's it. Yeah. So uh, Once again, we've answered all the questions. Right. We've answered it all. We're good to go. So, Solving hey, um, choose something positive. Play with it. Yeah. Oh, hey, maybe that's an invitation yeah. to end with. Is to like, we've been exploring all these possibilities. Play with it. Choose that spectrum. Like Play with it. Choose the spectrum. Next time you notice something negative, maybe back up and ask, okay, what else is there to notice here? Yeah. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. Uh, and and if you if your default is to always be like super positive, what if you go neutral? Yeah. Or what if you oh, 
dare what if I say, okay? choose what if something negative, yeah. see what happens. Wow, notice mm. your patterns and break them. Yeah. Uh, but play with it. Invita- our invitation is to play. Our invitation is to play, as always. Ah. Welcome that monster baby. Let it out. Take it for a walk. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks uh, so much, gonna, people. We've got to stop this at some point. Yeah, we, hey, we're stopping it now. Okay, so that was our power positivity. Yeah, power Which positivity. Uh, kind of morphed. Cast, yeah, into the power of neutrality, <laughs> I guess. I'm, I'm finding myself in retrospect, looking back on that conversation or listening back on it. You know, I, it's really an active question for me. This, I do want to choose to be positive. It's an intention I have in my life. And I like being around other people who do that. And I also am discomforted or put at unease when I'm around people who can't own or recognize their own struggle. Struggle. Me too. You know, so uh, I want to be clear that we're not suggesting a whitewash. Not at all, my uh, God. You know, I think I think really the, the the message is notice your defaults and then question those defaults. Yeah. And if that default is, oh my God, everything's great. Oh, isn't it things so good? Everything is just so good. I love life. I love it. It's like is that all that's going on? Right, like, there you, still needs to be some, some, um, yeah, I don't know. It, salt. <laughs> yeah, there, there is. I have noticed in relationship with people who never seem to be struggling, there's this feeling like, I'm not getting, you're not being real with me. Right. There's not, there's something else going on here. Yeah. And I guess that, that was your, your tip about that negative energy, like if, or that not negative energy, but the shadow side or the darkness that, where Holmes. does that come out? Yeah. Because, of course, to every person there are both sides and they both need to be witnessed. Like you said, see me. Right. So, yeah, I would, I would hate to leave people thinking that the positive choice is the only choice. Because well, it's not. And along those lines, of talking about improv craft, that if you're going to go to five on the positivity, negativity to positivity scale, like crazy, everything's spectacular. Yeah. Start to a scene can be off-putting also. Well, it, and it's a matter of... I mean, sometimes there's... Just don't do the same thing every time. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> it's like, I, I would hate to say that you shouldn't start in wildly positive land. I think it's great to start some scenes wildly positive. Right. And sometimes it's really fun. I remember once I started a scene yeah. with <laughs> just exclaiming, fuck, from backstage. That was my first line of the show. And my character was like, had writer's block and whatever. So sometimes you can start wildly negative and explore what space your character's in from that yeah. point. But if every scene starts with massive discomfort or massive anxiety or anger or, or whatever, or every scene starts with wild something or other elation, yeah, or every scene starts kind of just here we are, then shake it up, mm. <laughs> do something different. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I leave our conversation kind of agnostic and more inspired to experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just feel like. I could talk about this. I'm, I'm in in retrospect certain that that we missed really important stuff. I'm confident we did. Speaking of which, if you listener think of something that you want us to explore or you want to ask about, send a note to uh, info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yeah, that would be fun. Would love to to 
hear from you. We haven't gotten any emails there. No. So you could be the first. That would be pretty great. So uh, that's our that's our real invitation to you. You could you could uh, break the seal on that champagne bottle. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is. Do you mean pop the cork? I was trying to stay away from the word pop, and I kind of got the seal. Just connotations. <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay away, but I went there. Okay. So you know, if there's a cork or. Cherry flavored champagne. Oh God! See now you didn't. That was a step you didn't need to go okay. to. Okay. All right. Okay. We were fine with, Let's all take a deep breath. You actually do pop a cork on champagne. That's what you do. You pop I don't cork. drink. I don't know what you do with champagne bottle. Right. Okay. okay. You break the seal on it. My point is. I'm not sure that's any better connotation wise. By I, the way. Exactly. Exactly. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Here's another plea, and I'm actually going to make this a plea, not desperate or needy, but like invitational. We would love, if you are digging this podcast, to go to iTunes and, and uh, give us a little review. Write something, because until we have enough reviews, it doesn't show up as anybody having any opinion about this thing. Yeah. Uh, and it will help spread the word. Yeah. So let people know what you think. Yeah. And, send, send it along to folks. Yeah. And uh, hey, we're getting real close to our Mindful Play, Playful Mind retreat in Maine, uh, if you're interested in that. June 8 to 13. And we will remind you of our Mindful Play, Playful Mind retreat in September over Labor Day weekend in yeah. Petaluma, just north of San Francisco. So either of those, check out animalearning.com. <laughs> A-N-I-M-A learning.com. Yeah. Great. All right. <clears throat> uh, that's it. Yeah. We're thank signing you off. so much for listening. It's a total treat to have you with us and to be with you. So rock on, people. Rock on. Say yes. Stay Ciao. neutral. Bye. Adios.